It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This 710 podcast is brought to you by Francis Coppola's Diamond Collection Wines. Coppola's Diamond Collection offers the perfect wines to celebrate both big and small occasions this summer. Claret Cabernet Sauvignon is the perfect pairing with juicy burgers. And Diamond Sparkling Prosecco goes great with friends at your next garden party. Enjoy your summer with Diamond Collection Wines. Francis Ford Coppola Winery, Sonoma, California. Please drink responsibly. Good evening and welcome to a new season of Rams football and to a new season of Rams All Access. Year 8. DeMarco wow. Farr and JB Long side by side. What's up, my Has friend? Has it been eight years? This is year eight? Well, for you, it Season goes eight. all the way back to... Oh, we don't count that. 1994. <laughs> yeah. So you're celebrating three decades oh my God. since you're joining me, the Rams organization. You're making me feel old. No, this is cool, but this has been Accomplished, eight seasons not of old. this show. This is awesome. But it's been a, it's been a wild and, and long seven months since we've had professional ball. You know, I almost didn't make it. How about you? <laughs> It is a great time of year. I mean, yeah. these 17 Sundays or game days are my favorite work days on the calendar. And uh, I don't know about you, but I always find it so nice and refreshing to have an opponent to look at yeah. because we've been playing this game on paper, like you said, for so many months. And you get close enough to any entity and you can find things to like and to dislike. But looking at the Seahawks, you're reminded that hey, there's a lot of teams out there I wouldn't trade the Rams' problems for theirs. No, no. Everyone's got their own issues. I mean, some teams are loaded and, and ready to go. I guess Philadelphia's in that same mode. San Francisco, if they fi- figure out their quarterback spot. But most of the NFL is still trying to figure things out. So you've seen that big guy, that that artist that does the spray painting, and it's huge. He usually does it to music, and you don't know what it is until he's done. He that flips it right flips side it up. upside down yeah. and it's Abraham Lincoln or something <laughs> and it looked like a cat before so that's what I feel like here but yeah I mean in, in a world that's making less and less sense football's always the same it's fair and the goalposts don't move so this is my favorite type of year let's go compete for a Lombardi hopefully many of you listening tonight are familiar with the show uh, familiar with your Los Angeles Rams if you're new to the program this is our weekly preview here usually on Thursday nights looking ahead to a Sunday game week one takes the Los Angeles Rams back to the Pacific Northwest where they finished last year it's a matchup against the Seahawks so what we'll do is we'll talk about that head-to-head we'll get the latest on Cooper Cup's hamstring injury we'll go uh Four down territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. And then I think, DeMarco, we're going to have to figure out a new game or a new way to play our weekly game. We'll get to that in our fourth and final segment. Why would you change? You keep winning. Well, I have have a couple of reasons. I'll save those uh, for down the line. But uh, look, mostly it's just great to be back. We're going to hear from Matthew Stafford. We're going to hear from Sean McVay. So this show will be a mix of conversations we've had with players and coaches uh, analysis, our thoughts on the Rams, where they've been, where they're going, uh, and certainly want to give you some insight in terms of uh, each week's opponent. The schedule this year is daunting right out of the chute, and there's never been a season, I don't think, where a football team has said, you know what, we don't necessarily need to get off to a fast start this year. I think just a mediocre start would be fine. We'll get our bearings and, and grow as the season. You know, Everyone wants to launch quickly. But with the Rams this year, 
it's unlike any other Sean McVay season for me because I think you have four legitimate Super Bowl contenders in the first five weeks, with probably the Indianapolis Colts being the exception, and even even they will be a tricky prep on a short week. But for the one of the youngest teams in the National Football League, for the most rookie-dominated roster we've ever seen, DeMarco, this is going to be quite a test. Oh, no doubt. Uh, we, we call this in college a national championship schedule. If you get through this, you're going to be voted number one. This is back in the old days. But yeah, man, uh, I, I'm with Matthew Stafford to a certain degree. I'm still carrying around a roster with names and faces. I'm still getting to know these guys. You know, you know them by name. You know where they came from and how long they've been here. And then you see them on the field with pads on and numbers. Oh, that guy's pretty good. Let me check him out. And then when you see him at lunch... You may be talking about that guy, about that very same guy, and it's that guy. <laughs> like, oh, that's you? Oh, my goodness. So we're still getting to know some of these players. But, I mean, I, I think you were like me. Uh, when you talk about 14 picks, 14 guys being drafted, and they're all on the team. They all made the squad. Uh, you figured it's going to be something new and something different, and it's going to be some uh, learning curve. But I think you were with me. We knew who the football team was going to be after about a week of training camp. Because. That guy, this guy, that guy, this guy, mm-hmm. oh my God, the way they were playing them, their skill sets and how they fit and who who's lost and who's coming in. You pretty much knew who the team was going to be. And sure enough, going up to Seattle, it's most of those same guys. Do you remember being in the booth and on the sideline week 18 last year? And, and my recollection is very specific. Peering through my binoculars, waiting for Sean McVay to come out and greet Pete Carroll, as the opposing coaches do before yeah. each game. But there was a a poignance to that moment because the reports were swirling that Sean may be taking a step away, that there was a scenario where that was going to be his last game as the Rams head coach. Yeah, that was, uh, I do remember that. And and just waiting to see how that handshake was going to be. When did we start hearing those rumors? Were we on the bus in LA or just started to to come out when we, when we landed in Seattle? I I feel like because I feel like I they remember, predated the morning of the game, but the you know the Sunday reports gush right yeah. on the shows, and so going to the stadium, I think it had a real gravity that maybe we hadn't appreciated previously. That was the most distracted I'd ever been uh, as far as a Rams game, going all the way back to when they were heading up to New England uh, one year, and this is a, a previous coaching staff. So yeah, like I remember wow, that one too. That was weird, right? I mean, that's how it felt going into Seattle. Like this could be the last time, but. You know, I'm glad that he recharged. I'm glad he's back. He looks different. He looks healthier. He looks happier. Uh, He's got a younger squad. But, I mean, I'm happy Sean McVay decided to make that move to come back to ball. It was the oldest head coach in the National Football League and still Pete Carroll with the Seahawks and still the youngest head coach in the NFL, Sean McVay. And not just him, but also kind of the load-bearing walls, the trio of Rams who did not play in either of the late season games against the Seahawks last year. I'm talking about Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Aaron Donald. Now, we know that Cooper Cup will not play in this week one, but just reflecting on what transpired last year, the Seahawks ended up being a winning team, a playoff team, a wildcard team with a comeback player of the year at quarterback in Geno Smith. And yet, the Rams were probably one play away in each game from sweeping last year's season series against the Seahawks, including an overtime loss in Week 18 with... With John Wolford at quarterback for yeah. one and Baker Mayfield at quarterback for the other and no Aaron Donald. I, I, I wish Cooper Cup didn't have the hamstring and hamstrings are so tricky. 
They are. They're, they're, they're scary injuries because you never know. Um, as, a, as, a, as a player, as a teammate, you never know how that guy is going to respond. But, you know, having AD is going to – that's going to change things going up to Seattle. Having Matthew Stafford under center is going to change things going up to Seattle. It's going to be loud. It's going to be raucous. We know this. A lot of new faces. This will be the loudest environment some of these guys, some of these Rams have ever been in. You've never been in a situation like this. I could care less where you played college ball. This is something different. So, But having those calming influences like Matthew Stafford, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and Aaron Donald, who I don't think is done. And when I hear all these things and, and, and read all these predictions about defensive player of the year and his name never comes up, I am so happy. Because now you've made him mad. Good. You think he's done? Great. Let's 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 see what that brings out of him. But you're going to need those guys to be specials going into a place like Seattle to try to win that game. Well, let me ask you this. What do you think is the number one reason why the Rams were able to overtake the Seahawks in the NFC West under Sean McVay and really force Seattle ultimately to go in a different direction and to move on from their nine-time Pro Bowl quarterback, Russell Wilson? Who's the, who's the singular reason? Oh, Aaron. Aaron Donald, absolutely. Aaron Donald getting after Russell Wilson. So uh, same thing with Geno Smith. I mean, Geno Smith, uh, he made a lot of people eat their words. Uh, A lot of people that are listening to this show that wrote him off. And here he is in Seattle with uh, a lot of people have Seattle picked for the wild card. So Geno Smith has returned, uh, you know, back to the forefront. But he's going to face the same thing that Russell Wilson went through. When Aaron is healthy, when Aaron is active, when Aaron is ready to go, he's going to be in the backfield and on your back. Uh, I call it the Aaron Donald flu. It's hard to shake once you get it. So same thing. Uh, Look, and I don't think, and not to get too deep with this young secondary, when you talk about DK Metcalf and Lockett, those guys are the best, one of the best duos in the league. They're going to find a way to get open Mm -hmm. and get behind you. But things change when you're being pressured constantly by Aaron Donald. Make no mistake, the Seahawks got better and have continued to get better by way of that trade, not just unloading Russell Wilson, who's taken a turn for the worse, but also capitalizing on those draft picks. I mean, their last two classes have been impressive. They added maybe the best receiver in the group and another corner, uh, despite having Reek Woolen put up maybe the best rookie season this side of Sauce Gardner. So there's a lot to like about the Seahawks, maybe enough to pick them as the NFC West favorite. We'll get into all that with our Seahawks guest coming up in four down territory. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. One other quick thought that, that I had you know, driving in today, which is more than ever, as this team formulates its identity and finds some traction with its roster, I am leaning on what I'm calling my CQI. CQI. So you, you've got all these acronyms in football, right? Like, EPA and QBR and FPI. I'm going with coach, quarterback, injury report. I like it. The things that move the needle and determine outcomes. Coach, quarterback, injury report. CQI. And compared to where the Rams were the last time we had this conversation in the context of the Seahawks, you can't tell me that the Rams aren't in a better place at the coaching position. Head coaching, certainly, but even up and down the coaching staff. Quarterback, for sure. No doubt, yeah. And injury report. Even understanding what's going on with Cooper Cup, the Rams are in a much better place, and I would even say relative to where the Seahawks are, which we'll discuss. Again, I wouldn't necessarily trade their problems for ours. No, 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 no. I, when you when you talk about that injury report, I mean that's the first thing that comes to mind. I, I hope Brian Allen, you know, drank some glue 
you know, and, and you, you got to stay together. Rob Havenstein, too. Use that Gorilla Glue. That's better than Super Glue. I know it's good for hair, but, I mean, use that. They, they got to keep that same group together. And same with Aaron, same with Tyler Higby, same with everyone else. I think health, like you said, that I part, it probably is the most important of, of that stat you came up with, CQI. I like that. That's JB and CQI. Is that too much? <laughs> <laughs> More to come on the injury report, uh, including the latest on Cooper Cup. We'll hear from his quarterback and his head coach in terms of what direction the Rams go from here. DeMarco, I'll ask you if you're like me, you feel better about where the Rams are at receiver in terms of their eligibles dealing without Cooper Cup yet again. That's also to come on this debut edition 2023 Rams All Access. Glad you're with us tonight on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No, I would never say that. I mean, I, I love Cooper Cup. You guys know how instrumental and vital he's been to a lot of great things that have occurred. But we've had a lot of work with the group that's going to play the whole, for the last handful of months. You know, th- this is the group that we've been working with. Unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, he really hasn't had a chance to get any offseason work. It's been very limited in training camp. And so... For that, I'm very excited about the opportunity to compete. And I have, you know, a lot of belief in these guys and the improvement that I've seen and the way that they just commit to a process every single day. And um, I'm really looking forward to just being able to go shoot our shot and see what the hell happens. Rams head coach Sean McVay on the verge of his seventh NFL season. He'll have to begin it without his star receiver Cooper Cup, as you heard there. Back with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long on this week one edition of Rams All Access here on 710 ESPN. Looking forward to being with you throughout this season on Thursday night. So DeMarco, I'm I'm aligned with Sean McVay on this one. And even before he said those comments to the media this week, I felt like the Rams were in a better place to cope with a limited or an absent Cooper Cup than they have been maybe going all the way back to 2018 when they had Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks. You know, if you're going to lose anybody, I'd, I'd rather you do it early so you have a chance to adjust around him. So he missed some camps, so Tutu Atwell had a chance to gel with Matthew Stafford. That was the fun for me, watching them in camp, watching Matthew Stafford with a brand-new toy. And then Van Jefferson, and then uh, getting Puka ready to play, and Ben Skoranek as a starter. So there is a mix. So without Cooper Cup, who's your go-to guy? If you need a play, you jam the ball into Cooper Cup. He's going to make something happen. If you don't have that guy, then I think you lean on skill sets. Tutu is your burner. Ben Skoranek and, and Puka Nakua could be your big physical guys to so where those screens turn into inside runs but outside the numbers. Uh, and, and then Van Jefferson. You know, I would hope, and you tell me what you think, uh, if Cooper Cup goes down, then Van becomes your number one guy. I feel like that's been the story of Van's entire career is 
his ceiling is a great two, but he's not a true number one. And yet he keeps getting these little opportunities to step into larger roles. And I think health-wise, and also chemistry with Matthew Stafford, he's never been in as great a place, whether it's for a week or a month, to be that guy. You know, uh, this goes back to Deshaun Jackson, same thing when he was here and how some of those deep passes didn't work early with Matthew Stafford. Uh, I think it might be different with Tutu Atwell because their practice habits are different. Matthew Stafford can track him better than tracking Deshaun Jackson. You just didn't know where he was going to be. So those high percentage passes, if he comes down underneath it, then so be it. But Van Jefferson, uh, when you think about this offense and it has those West Coast type of uh, situations where you're going to have a go route built into every route. I wonder if he's going to be that guy or the guy you run on crossing routes that you can glance off a safety, glance off a linebacker, get behind Bobby Wagner, make something happen, and just absolutely punish the defense and keep him on the field. I hope that would be Van Jefferson, that most experienced type of guy that when he, whenever reception, whenever he makes a catch, he gets up, it's a first down, keep it going, drive that offense or drive that defense crazy. So I hope he steps up in Cooper Cup's stead and becomes that guy. I hope you wouldn't have to have this conversation, but of the three who missed both Seahawks games last year, Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, of those three, who are the Rams best equipped to replace? To me, it's Cooper Cup. And Mm. and as much as I love and appreciate him and everything he's given the Rams, uh, Stafford being part of this offseason program, to me, gives the Rams a chance to overcome this in the short term. Can they get to the playoffs without Cooper Cup this year? That I don't know. True. Obviously, he brings them to their fullest form offensively. But I'm with you. And it's not just the receivers. I'll start with the tight ends. Having three healthy, legitimate NFL tight ends going into this game like I think they do, having Tyler Higby a couple of years now removed from that knee injury, having Bryson Hopkins poised for what I think will be a career year, that makes a world of difference for me, not just in terms of eligibles and targets, but also in terms of what Sean McVay, in partnership with new offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur, can do with this running game because Cam Akers was going to the moon. Oh, yeah. at, at the end of last season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And make no mistake, this is McVay versus Bobby Wagner all over again. I think the best year Bobby Wagner had was when he was here because he avoided Sean McVay twice a year. So the first guy that comes to mind when you're thinking about that is Cam Akers out of the back out of the backfield. Uh, running the football, if this offensive line can create some space, but throwing it to him out of the backfield, just absolutely turning in a Matt Forte type impersonation on the field, just driving that defense nuts and then letting the tight ends eat behind that. And I'm glad you mentioned Bryson Hopkins. It is time, man. It's time for you to take a big step. Love me some Higby. Higby's got to eat. If you want to win, Higby has to get his touches. But Bryson Hopkins has to take a giant step forward this year to make this offense go. I've said this a few times this offseason. I want to see a healthy Tyler Higby season where he's playing 70% of snaps instead of 90-plus like he did last year. Like No one else played even 20% of snaps for the Rams at that tight end position other than Tyler Higby. It's too much. It's too much for anyone. Okay, you go tell him. But most importantly, it's been Matthew Stafford throwing footballs instead of towels this summer, right? And so McVay's point there, I think, is well taken in terms of they've if not been planning for this eventuality, have been nonetheless prepared for it because of how they've been running their offense this entire offseason program without 10. Who have you defended more in in your Rams career, Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford? Because I think it's about even, but for different reasons. I mean, I'm like, you're arguing that Jared Goff was good enough to win with and you got to a Super Bowl, so shut up there. Now I'm arguing about Matthew Stafford's greatness. 
And I think this game plan this week is more about yards, 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 possession, 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 win the game late and throwing the ball one step, three step. I mean, giving them a lot to worry about. But I think Matthew Stafford can run this offense, run that style of offense to kill you and take your shots when they're there. But I'm sick of arguing about his greatness. Maybe I just don't deem it worthy of arguing about because which NFC West quarterback would you prefer to him? You taking, exactly. You taking Geno Smith over Matthew Stafford for this season? You can keep going through the conference. I know. You taking Brock Purdy over no. Matthew Stafford for no. this season? Keep going. Through the entire conference, that name's going to come up. At least one, two, or three. Absolutely. But I'm sick of arguing about his greatness. But it's funny how that happens. But if the game goes the way I think it's going to go, like you said, this will be, be a back-and-forth battle, and then you win it late. When you can take your opportunities, take your shots – I'd rather have Matthew Stafford than just about any quarterback in the league for that situation. And that's why I'm saying it's so great to be back at week one in this starting line because you realize games in this league are decided by three to five plays per week, no matter what the rosters are. Right. Like 41 to nothing. Sorry, Denver Broncos preseason week three, but that doesn't happen in the league except on Christmas Day at SoFi Stadium. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. you, You get back to realizing that we're all playing the same game with the same salary cap restrictions, the same bumps and bruises. And as the year goes on, some teams separate, but on any given Sunday, there's no reason to believe that a Rams roster led by Sean McVay with Matthew Stafford at the controls and Aaron Donald puncturing your pocket can't get a good result. Yeah, I mean, look, on any given Sunday with those guys, I'll take those guys. But like you said, uh, Matthew Stafford has to have one of those zero turnover days. Uh, even if you have to take a sack, then so be it, or scramble out, throw the ball away, live to fight another day. That's just the way it's going to have to go. But He's going to have to be the leader. This is a young football team with an older quarterback, an experienced guy. So you're going to have to show these guys how to win. You're going to have to show these guys that the crowd noise doesn't bother you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And make sure, take a breath between reps. You work out a lot. If you're going to do an upper body or a lower body, take an hour on your chest, which means run the play, breathe, huddle up, get the signal in, make sure it's communicated, line up and do it again. You don't have to go CrossFit super fast. You just have to make sure all 11 are on the same page, and that is up to you. What is a lot to you? Are we talking like a couple times per week, or you can tell that I did something this summer? JB, you you have almost no body fat. <laughs> Come on, man. You, you run forever. Give me a break. Come on. <laughs> While we're talking Matthew Stafford, he brought, I think, a nice human element to this injury to his friend and his favorite target, Cooper Cup. That's the toughest thing, you know, all of, you know, everybody, everybody sits there and goes, oh man, you know, he's not going to be on our fantasy team or he's not going to be on this, that and the other. But like, this is a human being too, that works his entire life and, and works, you know, more than anybody I know in the off seasons to make sure that he's ready to go. And when he's not, you know, that's, that's tough as a human being, you know, and as a football player, and as a competitor. So, um, you know, I was in those situations, especially early on in my career. I mean, I missed, I think, 19 games in my first two seasons for hits that I feel like I'd taken 100 times, you know, and, and for some reason uh, I wasn't getting up from them and, and uh, then played eight and a half years and didn't miss a game, you know. So it's, just a, it's a game that, you know, injuries happen. They're not a you know, fun part. They're probably the worst part of this game. Um, but uh, he's a strong-willed guy. Obviously, uh, we support the heck out of him, and, and whenever he's back, we'll be, uh, you know, we have to have him. Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford on the verge of his third season in partnership with Sean McVay here in Los Angeles. And when you compare this to the previous two, albeit he'll start week one without Cooper Cup, who he was speaking of there, you know, he and Sean were just kind of ironing out, hey, what's our verbiage? What's our system? And it ended up in a Super Bowl in year one. Year two, they knew each other, I think. They were speaking the same language, but Matthew Stafford couldn't 
rep or drill any of it for the entire offseason program. He mm-hmm. was playing hurt. When you rewind time to a year ago, I don't think we fully appreciated because they didn't want us to fully understand or appreciate mm-hmm. what he was dealing with. So I'm excited and I'm bullish on what they can accomplish together in year three, layering in Mike LaFleur as a new offensive coordinator. Oh, no doubt. I think Stafford is special. I really do. I, I think he can go on one of those Roger Federer type perfection runs to where if they're playing bend but don't break and they're betting on the quarterback making a mistake and he goes 10, 12 plays and puts it right in the end zone on you and just demoralizes you. I think you can do that. If like if Seattle starts to bring pressure or it starts to heat up, like I think they're going to do on game day, I think their defensive coordinator's name is Clint Hurt. Can you think of a better name for <laughs> it's a good one? That's a great. I mean, I, mean, I think Ken Norton Jr. is pretty good. That's too. awesome too. But they're going to dial it up and come after you, and he can also work off the scramble, throw off different platforms, and throw from different arm slots with accuracy. So whatever the game needs him to be, he can be that guy. So as long as he and Sean McVay are on the same page and what they're seeing matches up and you're starting to make adjustments on the fly and there is no animosity or uh, confusion there and you can get the play in, line up, and snap it and go, I think you'll be okay with a guy like Matthew Stafford. Uh, Sean McVay, 16-4 and four in the month of September. By far his best month as an NFL head coach, but this, as we've documented, the most difficult opening month he's ever been dealt by the NFL schedule makers. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. This is our week one edition of Rams All Access here on 710 ESPN. A couple other Rams news and notes that I want to get your reaction to. Hunter Long, who came back from Miami in the Jalen Ramsey trade. That's probably the element that we are underrating how well Jalen Ramsey played against the Seahawks, especially in that week 18 game. He will be missed. But Hunter Long, the tight end, has been ruled out for Sunday with a leg injury. So too has Stetson Bennett won't be dressed as the backup. Instead, Brett Rippon will be the rookie out of Georgia dealing with a right shoulder injury, his throwing shoulder. In Rip, we trust. I mean, look, just stand there and hold the clipboard, and I hope we never get to get get to those guys. Right. But that's, uh, that's weird. I've never heard of a backup missing week one. Uh, that, that's new. Nor I. And yeah. then lastly, we still don't have official word on the starting offensive line configuration. I think you and I could deduce, uh, but we'll leave it as a mystery, just in case Pete Carroll's listening. But regardless of what the initial five are, I think the top eight who will be dressed for game day in Seattle, I think they've taken a quantum leap forward from just the decimated unit that they were a year ago, whether it's new leadership, new position coach, new offensive coordinator, whether it's new talent, Steve Avila, draft pick, Kevin Dotson, a trade from Pittsburgh. I'm bullish again on this offensive line to have a bounce back year and what that could mean for a lot of the other characters like Stafford and Akers we've spoken of already. You talk to coaches. Coaches are funny with coach speak, right? So I'm trying to get the starting five out of them. And they keep saying you're going to see all of them. So take that what you might out of that. Let's turn our attention to the Seattle Seahawks, a wild card team out of the NFC West a season ago. Uh, They came into that Week 18 game with everything to play for, and still the Rams were able to take them to overtime. Another great draft class, an extension for their quarterback, Geno Smith. We will ask someone who covers the Seahawks next, over under the 2022 stats for their quarterback and what that might mean for the Seahawks' fortunes. This is the debut edition of Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage 
all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Rams All Access here on 710 ESPN. Time for our first four-down territory of a new season. It's our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. We've had the privilege of getting to know Mike Dugar on this program before. Mike covers the Seattle Seahawks for The Athletic, does a tremendous job with his Seahawks and his NFL-wide perspective. Mike, thank you for being with us and for carving out some time. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. Thank you for having me. All right, so we've got four Seahawks-related questions for you, starting with Geno Smith. And so the Seahawks extend him after a comeback player of the year Pro Bowl season. And, Mike, I wonder from your perspective, if we're setting an over-under for this year as, like, Geno's career year of 2022 – are you going over or under? Because I could see that cutting either way, where the offensive line, some young tackles, some enhanced talent out on the perimeter gives him the chance to even build upon what he did. But at the same time, I, I know the way he finished last year was not as strong as the way he started. Yeah, I, I would take the over um, in large part because I think as much as the raw stats were very impressive, uh, I think he threw for 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, uh, not a ton of interceptions, led the league in completion percentage. Like all that stuff is really great. And whether he hits those benchmarks or not, I don't think it's that important. Well, I guess it is to him because those are in his contract. <laughs> I think it's like $15 million more dollars if he hits those. Um, but for me, what I'm looking for is, you know, to be better situationally. And I do think that the way that they've set things up, they're in a position to do that. And by situationally, I'm talking like red zone, I'm talking third down, I'm talking goal line. Like the Seahawks were really good offense last year. I think they were like top 10 in scoring. But they were not a very good red zone offense in terms of scoring touchdowns. They were not a very good third down offense. Geno's numbers were not very good on third down. And specifically in uh, obvious passing situations, you know, third and five or longer. Um, so I think he had a lot of room to grow there, but he has the weapons to do it. I think really the Jackson Smith and Jigba addition will be really critical to Geno's growth in those specific areas because last year, you know, Geno to DK in the red zone was a largely inefficient pairing. Um, they were really good everywhere else, but they got down the, tr- the field trunk and teams knew what they could do. You put your best corner on DK, you bracket Kyler, and you could probably live. You can do those same things now, but then number 11 might be open because you have your rookie nickel on him or you have a linebacker on him or you have a strong safety on him you know, with a free release, and then boom, now Geno's got somewhere else to go. And that's just how one player can make a huge difference in one small yet very impactful area. Well, you mentioned one of them there, Mike. So why don't you take us through the rookie class in terms of the injury report specifically? Because I'm impressed that Smith and Jigba is going to play this week. Who's up, who's down for the Seahawks in terms of new names that we haven't met in the West yet? Yeah, I think Kenny McIntosh, their seventh-round running back out of Georgia, who is just he's a great personality. I can't wait till he actually gets out there and then gets to start interviewing with us and getting to introduce himself to the NFL world because he's just a, a big ball of energy. Uh, but he probably won't make it. Um, he got hurt in their mock game on August 4th. Um, the rest of the rookie class, though, 
should be okay. Minus Devin Witherspoon, which I'm really bummed about. Uh, I know you guys in L.A. are all up on the hamstring injury issue right now because of Cooper Cup. Well, Devin's dealing with the same thing. You know, Devin couldn't even participate in a lot of the uh, pre-draft process because of his hamstring. Then his hamstring got hurt again when he first got here. Now it's hurt again uh, in the summer. So he probably uh, won't make it through. I would be really surprised if he does. Like, he practiced in a a limited capacity, I want to say, on Wednesday. But um, hamstrings are just so tricky, as you guys are seeing down there in L.A. You want the hamstring to be perfect because if it's not, it can just linger and linger and linger. And next thing you know, week nine, it blows up. Right? No one wants that to happen. So he would be the one I'm like, I'd be surprised if he plays. Mike Duger, a pro's pro. As you can tell from The Athletic, he's making the segues for me here on Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. Bobby Wagner back in the Pacific Northwest, like you said. What did he have to say this week about the Rams returning to Lumen Field? Yeah, really, Bobby was first focused on his own return to Lumen Field, which makes sense. I like his in 2021 in the last home game of the season, Bobby just looked and fell covering like a screen pass on the first snap against the Lions. And then boom, his knee went the other way. And then he was, that was the end of his Seahawks career or so he thought. And then his last game yeah, last year, you know, his team loses in overtime. Quandre Dix intercepts the ball, which already stunk. He intercepts it in front of the Rams sideline, which really stunk. And then he points the ball at Bobby as he runs down and celebrates, which was like a, tr- a trifecta of stinkiness. Um, so Bobby, of course, was kind of focused on how all of that will be different. The aura will be much different when he comes out of the tunnel um, on Sunday. So he's focused on that. Um, but as far as the Rams, um, what he really, what he said was interesting is he spoke to the chess match uh, with Sean McVay. Um, you know, Bobby is just he loves information. Like he's going to get his MBA um, at Howard, right? Just voluntarily, like, yeah, I just want to do this. I want to just go do that. You know, even though I'm a 12 year veteran in the NFL, future Hall of Famer, like I can do more information, more information. He's a, he reads books. Uh, or he listens to books on the flight and when he's working out, like he's just always trying to gain information. So I imagine that hanging out with Sean McVay was like kid in the candy store type thing because McVay is also just this big bucket of info. Um, and he was able to pick Sean McVay's brain and Bobby was able to share some stuff with him because, you know, at that time they were, they were allies. They were trying to, they had, they had a shared common goal of making the Rams as good as possible. Um, and in the past, they obviously didn't have that. Bobby would tell me in the locker room sometimes after those games, where McVay would just carve him up. You know, this is back when he was with the Seahawks. Like, dude, man, they had a beater for this. They got a coverage beater for that. And then he would be so confident in the rematch, like, I got him. This is how we're going to get him. And then McVay was about 30 again. Um, so this week, Bobby was like, now it's a really fun game of chess. McVay knows Bobby. Bobby knows McVay. Who's going to blink first? Who's going to use that tidbit that they shared last year? Who's not going to use it? Who's going to put a tweak to it? Um, so Bobby's excited for that part of it, that chess match between the quarterback of the defense and the play caller on the opposition who's been giving Pete Carroll problems since 2017. I like that. Really glad that you shared that with us, Mike. Final question here on Four Down Territory, and that is, look, I hear it in your voice and your description. Again, there's some good vibes right now in Seattle. Like There might be a reason to believe that they can go out and overtake the 49ers in the West this year. If not, why, why would that not be? Like, Where is the soft spot, the weakness, the concern on the Seahawks roster going into 23? I think as it pertains particularly to the specifically to the 49ers, it's just can your star power match their star power? And that was the case with some of those Rams teams uh, not too long ago as well. There was just so much star power, and it wasn't even just at skill positions, right? It was like, can your guy get to the quarterback with Andrew Whitworth standing in front of them, right? Like that was star power. And then you, you match in Todd Gurley and then Cup, Cooks, Woods, you know, Donald, Ramsey, 
Um, like they had, they were just, they had so many bodies, you know, of, of Von Miller, even a Leonard Floyd, who, you know, gave the Seahawks some trouble. Like the star, your star power for Seattle needed to match up with theirs and play at a higher level or at least match their energy. And Seattle, that's going to be their goal this year when they try to overtake the 49ers who are the cream of the crop in the division. Like the 49ers defense last year had all pro players at all three levels. That is nuts. They had all pro safety, all pro linebacker, and then all pro um, guy up front and Nick Bosa, right? And they're bringing all of those guys back on top of having all pro tight end, all pro running back caliber and Christian McCaffrey, and then all pro left tackle in Trent Williams. Like they're just an all pro receiver in Debo Lewis, right? They're just or Debo Sam, excuse me. They're just stacked. But the Seahawks believe, man, we stacked too. DK Metcalf, Pro Bowl guy who's, you know, been in the all pro conversation before. Kyle Lockett, the only pass catcher in the NFL over the last four seasons to have a thousand yards and eight touchdowns in each of those years. Um, Quandre Diggs, three-time pro bowler. Bobby Wagner, we know his accolades. Reek Woolen just led the league in interceptions last year as a rookie. Geno Smith, pro bowler. Uh, Ken Walker went for a thousand yards last year. Like, they feel like, and then not to mention Jamal Adams as well, like, they feel like Seattle, I mean, that they have the dogs too. And I would agree with that. It's just a matter of whether your dog show up when uh, when Kyle Shanahan brings his dogs to the park. Like, that's going to be the thing. And uh, it was it used to be the case with the Rams. You know, I want to say back in the day, but that makes it still old. But it's kind of moved on now. Now it's like, can Seattle's dogs keep up with the 49ers? And right now I would put my money on the 49ers, but I can see why the Seahawks are so optimistic because when you spell it out the way I just did, like, it makes sense. They have a lot of firepower. We've played it on paper a hundred times over the last seven months or so. It's nice to be able to play it between the lines. Week one, Lumen Field in Seattle. Mike Duger from The Athletic, thank you so much for that detailed rundown. We appreciate you. Oh, man, thank you for having me. All right, DeMarco Farr is back to wrap things up on Rams All Access after this on 710 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on 710 ESPN, Rams All Access. LA heading to Seattle to kick off the September gauntlet. Back-to-back division games at Seattle. Home to San Francisco for the SoFi opener in Week 2. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. So glad to be back with you for another season of Rams football. DeMarco, since we got the Seahawks profile in our previous segment, why don't you kind of give us your 30,000-foot view of the division rival? Wow. Seattle, you know, Geno Smith has returned, and, and they look pretty good with him. He's just as mobile as Russell Russell Wilson ever was, and uh, he'd prefer to stand in the liver, but he's a guy that can create, you know, when it breaks down. Uh, I still think with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, they're one of the best duos that the NFL mm-hmm. can sport out there. So it's different now. You don't have Jalen Ramsey. So that puts DK Metcalf right on the front burner. Again, that's going to be an issue. Defensively speaking, they're fast, and they're loaded. They really have some talent, and they're going to come after you. Pete Carroll is all about competition and all about being fast on defense. So you know what they're about, and it's going to be loud up there. Uh, They're ready. So outside of San Francisco, most people think this could be Seattle's year to get into the playoffs and maybe beyond that. But uh, they are loaded. This is not going to be easy. This is going to be a lot of fun. But 
they are a beatable football team. Does this one surprise you, DeMarco, per over the cap? How about the teams with the lowest percentage of players who are on the 22 roster? For all we've talked about, the Rams being fresh and young and rookie-driven. You know, the Seahawks have turned over more than the Rams? Wow. 61% of their roster. New from last year. New from last year. Uh, well, they still have some good pieces, though. And yeah. I like their offensive line. I really do. Uh, the, the only difference between this line this year and the one last year is they didn't get to see Aaron Donald. Now you do. That's right. So now this is the real test. So I know you think you've patched the boat. Now we're going to put a shark in the water and see if you can hold <laughs> up. Right. <laughs> Another good draft class, though. A cornerback. Uh, Devin Witherspoon was added with the fifth overall pick. Thanks, Broncos. Uh, we'll see whether or not he's good to go this week. Has been dealing with a hamstring injury of his own. And with the 20th pick, Seattle took Jackson Smith and Jibba, the top receiver in the class. And then in the second round, they got an edge rusher, Derek Hall, and also UCLA running back, Zach Charbonnet. All right, so those are the Seattle Seahawks looking forward to kicking off a new season with a division rival in the Pacific Northwest. Smith and Jigba is scary. He is. Yeah, that's, 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 that's the stir. That he completes the their trio, doesn't Absolutely. he? Absolutely, yeah, that really stretches you thin. Yep. All right, DeMarco, this is often the time of our show where we will introduce and play our playoff eliminator contest, which I've really enjoyed. We've done it for two years now, but I have a couple of reasons why I wonder if we should move on from it. Okay. And I'm springing this on you. This was because I'm prepared. Are you? Other, I'm ready for the other game. I, I already have my first team. Me too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but before we go to a coin flip and and just start a new year, one we found out last year that game is not as fun when the Rams are not in playoff contention. We kind of had to take them out of it and just play with 31 other teams. And two, we didn't have that postseason show to kind of finish the competition ah. and declare a winner and really settle our scores. Okay. So this is very inside Rams All Access here. But basically, DeMarco and I, for the last couple of years, have essentially drafted teams that we felt like we could eliminate from the playoffs. And the goal was to be aggressive but cautious because the more teams you could accumulate who are eliminated, the better chance you had of, of beating your opponent. However, if you drafted a team that ended up sneaking in, like, say, last year's Seattle Seahawks, your portfolio goes boom you lose it's automatic it's done right so i was just brainstorming this week like should we go a different direction like should we just play a traditional survivor league or something hmm. but if that were the case then i think what both of us would want to do is just grab whoever the cardinals are playing absolutely every week right that yeah. would that wouldn't be a ton of fun okay I think we should keep going with the game. I like that. Okay, and, just, so and hope the Rams get there. So you're not yeah. you're not interested in a death pool then, where like you pick a loser each week. That's too. That's even more negative. We than can a playoff do that. Eliminator. That might be fun, but I mean, you know, who are you picking against? No, I, I'm yeah. gl I'm glad to run this past you. It seems yeah. like you've liked the direction we've gone, and you want to keep doing it. Yeah, I mean, year three playoff eliminator. End. Hopefully, if Matthew Stafford stays active for 17 straight games, we'll be in the postseason. We'll see what happens. So let's just continue on with the game. Let's not change. All right. I don't, don't go I don't, I don't have a coin, but yeah. we can coin flip for the first overall pick, which I think will be extremely well, we valuable. We can rock, scissor, paper. All right. Go, ready? One, two, three. You, you go. win. You go. DeMarco's scissors <laughs> beat my paper. Okay. A little Radio Rochambeau. I'm going to take Houston. What? I'm going to take Houston. Did you take Houston? No, I just thought the first pick was obvious. <laughs> go ahead. I'll take the Cardinals okay, for week one then. I think we're both fine. You think Houston's coming out of the South? D'Amico Ryan's 
Do you think Houston's worst to first? <laughs> no way. I'm taking Houston. Yeah. All right. You're taking okay, the well, Cardinals. Here, okay. I didn't even know if we were going to play, and we end up both taking a team in we week go. one. Let me to, mark that uh, down. Yeah. Where's my pen? There we go. Adam's right. in charge of the air checks. Adam Bronstein, our yeah. producer, again, behind the glass, will help us keep track. And, and again, each week, we will draft a team or teams that we think are going to miss the playoffs. Each data point, each week, informs that decision. And uh, whoever has the most teams to miss the playoffs at the end of this year without going over – yeah, in honor of the late Bob Barker, uh, is your winner. Nice. So you, you can't, I think we're both fine with our fir- our first picks. We'll here. find out. Yeah, but one's trying. Every every year though, someone goes worst to first in the National Football League. Or they're both trying. Okay, so you and I were texting this week, and as we get back to the Week One matchup, Rams and Seahawks, I know there are a few things on your mind, like kind of the must get to topics. One of them is is an area of the Rams that we haven't talked about yet, and that is special teams needing to be special because mm. the Seahawks have been exemplary in the kicking game in the recent years. That's the thing. Uh, when you're young at punter, and I, I love the fact that he's come along and he had a, a, a preseason and a training camp to – the guy's got a strong leg, talking about Ethan Evans. Cannon of a leg. Uh, he has to learn about ball placement, and it's going to be different up in Seattle. So – the one thing I hope you get to do if you're punting for the Rams is you punt after you cross the 50. Really. I mean, nothing where you have to depend on this kid to flip field position because, like you said, it goes off the side of the foot. You give them field position and momentum is on their side. And I hope this doesn't come down to a field goal to win it. And if it is, I hope it's Seattle from a long ways away. But uh, the last thing you want when it's going to be hard fought on offense and defense is to have your special teams let you down in a winnable football game. And... I think that's the way it's shaping up until you get some stability out of your kicking game. You're not a Brett Maher fan, huh? Well, I, I mean, know he had the yips in the playoffs, but other than that, his track record's pretty solid. I think the Rams could have done much worse at place kicker. Okay, from the paint to win the game, how nervous are you in the booth? Well, I see, I, I spin it the other way. I don't want Jason Myers kicking a game-winning field goal. I've seen that movie. Yeah. I know how that ends. He's a pro bowler. He's, he's rock solid. And Michael Dixon is on track to set a new NFL record for career punting average. So that is, I think, a, a, a phase where the Seahawks have a decided advantage and the Rams will have to put together um, a great opening game. And I also think that uh, Evans has the leg to be the next Johnny Hecker. And when you get the other 10 around him who are trained and ready to cover, to cover, yeah. I think it'll look different than it did this summer. I wish we could go on. Yeah. Came loaded for bear after a, a summer of anticipation. <laughs> it's been but, a long uh, seven months, JB. <laughs> same time next week with the San Francisco 49ers in your sights. Let's go. I'm not scared. Nick Bosa back just in time. He's rich now. He took Aaron Donald's mantle as the highest compensated defensive player. He's going to be fat and happy and rich. He's not going to play hard. <laughs> His head coach said he's playing this week in Pittsburgh unless he had a beer belly. He might have one. Well, you never know. I, appreci- I hope. I appreciate you saying that I'm in mid-season Look form but uh, i think good. i think we both got bosa beat on that front no doubt all right we'll see you in seattle demarco got it i'm jb long this is rams all access on 710 espn